on this episode of the Naturist Living Show, the ultimate naturist bibliography. This episode of the Naturist Living Show is brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. At Bear Oaks, we offer traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Free your body, free your mind. www.bearoaks.ca Welcome, dear listener, to episode number 550. It's been, uh, what's been over four years now. We're in our fifth year of the show. As I've said before, far longer than I ever expected it to last. And with far more listeners than I ever expected with uh, now over 200,000 downloads per month, at least the last few months. So this is episode 50. And if you... Uh, look at the uh, Naturist Living Show website, you know that I write in the show notes the uh, the episode in Roman numeral. I'm not sure why I do that. I guess I started that for, I don't know, for whatever reason. But 50 is interesting because 50 in Roman numerals is L. So this is episode L. So with the success of the show doesn't mean that uh, we couldn't use more of your help and support. So when you have a moment, please take a minute and go and check in. If you are a user of a check-in type of tool, like you can check into Bear Oaks at Facebook. Uh, or you can uh, rate this show on iTunes if you're a user of iTunes. Or if you are uh, a user of TripAdvisor and you've been to Bear Oaks, please take a moment to uh, write a comment and rate us that way. Why is that important? Because it, it helps increase the uh, relevance and awareness that people have of not just Bear Oaks and the Naturist Living Show, but as a result, naturism in general. Because if we get enough users, enough downloads, enough ratings, enough reviews, enough check-ins, it means that we show up higher on the list when people are looking at things to listen to or things to do or places to go, which means that more people are discovering naturism as a result. So you can do your part to help with the promotion of naturism just by doing a little rating or review or comment or a check-in. The trip to Montalivet in Paris, France that I've talked about in the last two shows is now completely organized. And uh, if you're interested in going, uh, hopefully you're listening to this either in December or early January because the spaces are going relatively quickly. The prices is now on the webpage and uh, there is a link right from the show notes at uh, naturistliving.baroques.ca on the website and you can learn all about it. It's a very affordable trip. And if you're not in Toronto or Montreal, which is where the flights are coming from, uh, the travel agent can still uh, arrange something and you can work something out with them or find your own flights and we can just arrange for the portion uh, at Montalivet in France, which is a really discounted, a really good deal. Very, very affordable. Um, so go take a look when you have a chance.
It is December of 2012, if you're listening to this later on and you're catching up on past shows. And uh, so I thought I would start with a little bit of a Christmas story. Uh, This is actually a story from 2009. Uh, There's a gentleman by the name of Bob Cringley, and uh, he writes a technology column. Um, He's not a naturist. His family's not a naturist. But he's had a tradition for years of having uh, a nude Christmas card. His whole family, to take a picture of themselves nude. Apparently, it started as a lark, and it's become very popular, and people look forward to seeing what he's done every year and how they've gotten creative. Because, of course, while they're nude, uh, nothing shows, because you have to be, quote-unquote, tasteful with this kind of stuff. But twice, um, he was rejected in 2008 and 2009 by Kinko's, uh, FedEx Kinko's. FedEx bought Kinko's a few years ago. And they they refused to print his card because there was nudity. Of course, there wasn't any actual nudity. There was the concept of nudity. Um, there's a link to the to his post. He wrote a, a blog entry on this, and you can see the picture yourself. In fact, it's all over the place. Um, the way I originally found this, uh, somebody passed around in an email with uh, nude uh, Christmas cards, and uh, this one wasn't there. And uh, it's been circulated all over the Internet since. But it, it's amazing to me that people still find the concept of nudity a problem. Um, he describes in his posts a uh, an argument that he has with the clerk um, in the first one, uh, whether the, the, the groin of a six-year-old could be seen or not. And he says, uh, what do you see? I asked. You know, he said. It's a navigation light, I said. I don't think so. It's green, I said. It's a navigation light. So it's it's that kind of ridiculous argument that people get into about uh, whether something is uh, obscene or inappropriate. I mean, it's a very cute picture. It's a beautiful Christmas card. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. But the worst part of all this is after he posted this uh, uh, blog entry uh, complaining about the uh, arbitrariness of Kinko's and, and the uptightness of them and the you know restrictions on free speech and the ridiculousness of it all, um, he had... 812 comments, at least that's as of today when I'm recording the show, because people are still posting comments on this uh, blog entry. And, you know, because he's not actually a naturist, a lot of his uh, readers are not naturists and have all the weird um, expectations and points of view that you all expect to see now in the general public. And it's it's a little disturbing. It's actually very disturbing to read all the comments. And uh, I think one of them, uh, is, which really sums it all up for me, is very brief and really makes the point. Uh, it's by a person named Jazz. It's very short. It just says, That is creepy. Anybody that thinks a whole family naked together is cute is a pedophile. Well, by that definition, I guess that makes me a pedophile then, because I think new children are cute. I think uh, families with new children are cute. When I was growing up, everybody thought new children were cute. There was no such thing as the concept that mere nudity is child pornography. And of course, it isn't in most countries that I know of the law. You need sexual context. You need something more than just mere nudity. And of course, again, in this Christmas card, um, there, there is no actual nudity. Everything's covered strategically by something. It's just the concept of nudity which bothers people. 
It's very sad. In fact, uh, Bob got so much grief that I asked him to come and talk about it on the show, and he refused to be on the show because it was such a negative experience for him the first time. He didn't want to have to relive that because it very much affected him and his family. But he says they haven't stopped uh, doing the new Christmas cards. They're just very private uh, about it, and they certainly don't post it on the Internet anymore. A little while ago, I was uh, going through the resources on the Nature Society, and I ran across one I hadn't seen before. It's relatively new in the last year, I believe. And it's the Nature Society Bibliography. And uh, what's a bibliography? Well, uh, most people who've done research understand a bibliography is all the resources that you might have had or used in some sort of research, and you provide it at the end so other people can go and read the same research papers, articles, magazines, books, whatever it is that you use as your resources. So a naturist bibliography is a resource of all types of naturist and nudist uh, publications and books. And uh, in this case, um, it was put together by my Mark Story. Um, and it is, in his case, he has actually collected and read almost all of these uh, books and magazines and articles and journals, etc. And why is this important? Because even though you have Google and you can do searches, uh, you can find a lot of material which is not necessarily reliable. And you can't always tell whether it's a good source or a bad source, or whether the story being told is true or not true. A bibliography gives you something which has been evaluated and uh, organized by somebody who understands uh, what is important and what isn't, and what matters. And so uh, I, I, I I think anything that's done by Mark's story, of course, is also very, very, um, very, very good and very important because Mark is really an academic. Uh, Mark understands what a bibliography is about. Um, he's, he's a longtime member of the Nature Society, a longtime activist. He's on the board of NAC. He's organized a lot of festivals. Um, he's one of the editors of Nude and Natural from the Nature Society. He's a prolific writer of articles. Um, and as a philosophy professor at Bellevue College in Washington State, he, he understands what uh, is important, what is valid, what uh, should be included in a bibliography. Uh, in fact, Mark was uh, my first guest on this show. Uh, in episode number two, uh, which was about the uh, history of nudist film, uh, he wrote a book about it. He wrote the book, actually, about it, Cinema au Naturel, Cinema au Naturel, A History of Nudist Film, which unfortunately is currently out of print, although him and I are talking about finding a way to get that reprinted. But right now you can only buy it uh, used for uh, exorbitant prices. People are asking $100, $200, $250 for this used book. There's that much demand. So um, I have a copy. It's a wonderful book. And if you want to hear um, uh, Mark talk about uh, nudist films, uh, you can go and find the uh, first, well, the second show. The first show was just an introduction, but the second show, the second episode. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But right now, let's listen to Mark talk about the bibliography and what it's all about. So I was, uh, you know, I was on the, uh, the Nature Society website and I found the bibliography that you wrote. And I was, uh, I was very impressed. Um, how, how did you come to do that? Well, actually, it's been kind of a labor of love of sorts for about 10 years before posting the crazy thing. Uh, I, for a long time, I've just been collecting any articles, usually academic journal articles, but even 
magazine articles uh, pertaining to nudism. Lee Baxendall got me started on this years ago. He had his own collection. Um, when he kind of was backing away from things, he gave me just a huge box of uh, Xerox copies of articles he had, and I wanted to continue with it. And I've had as a hobby collecting nudist books. It's impossible, I think, to try to collect nudist magazines. There's too many of them, and I've known some people uh, go into financial uh, whirlpools trying to keep up with the magazines, but there are a limited number of books on naturism or nudism in English. I'm interested in ones in English and sometimes in French. So I was able to pretty well get most of what's available, or has been available since the 1920s on nudism that's been in English. Um, a couple things earlier than that. And I got to the point where I was kind of keeping tabs of what I had. I, I'm the kind of guy who just likes setting up my own little bibliography for myself, because other people's bibliographies, as a researcher, are of value to me. So I was setting something up, and I thought, well, why not post it on the TNS website? I talked it over with uh, TNS's Nikki Hoffman Lee. She liked the idea. TNS has, as one of its you know, missions, is to provide information to people about naturism. And so uh, I kind of cleaned it up, set things up in terms of fiction and nonfiction. And uh, within the fiction, we have books and then uh, academic journal articles. And that's where it got posted. It took about a year to get the thing posted. I'm not sure why it took that long, uh, but the office staff took that long. And in principle, we'll be updating it from time to time. I've already got a number of other journal articles and books that need to be added to the list. I think it was last updated uh, this past spring. Um, it just takes a while for the office staff to get things posted up. The whole purpose of it was, um, as a community college instructor, I teach philosophy. So I know students sometimes need access to materials or at least um, lists of materials uh, if they're going to do some research. And there just is not much available for people researching nudism or naturism. Uh, to my knowledge, this is the most extensive bibliography around. And I'm sure people are ripping it off and cutting and pasting it into their own personal websites right now. But I, there certainly isn't anything in academia that, that does this. Um, there are a handful of people researching nudism, particularly in Europe, not so much in North America. And they keep going back to the exact same half dozen articles time and time again. And I'm hoping that uh, if a professor or an advanced college student wants to do some research on nudism, they'll find that there's actually far more good material out there, uh, either pro or anti-nudism, uh, that they can appeal to rather than the same um, small number of books and magazine articles over and over again. So you, you say a bibliography, but with all the journals and articles you're talking about, it almost sounds also like an, an index. Um, well, it isn't really indexed in terms of topics. That would just be a huge, huge effort to give like a brief explanation of what each article is trying to do. Um, it's really a bibliography, both uh, just a list of uh, all the books I can run across pertaining to naturism, uh, both fiction and nonfiction, and all the academically oriented journal articles. Um, so in terms of index, you know, when I think of an index, I think of like a, a series of words letting you know, you know where to go find that particular reference in a particular work. Uh, this is just giving basically a, a list of the books. I've got, you know, I've got the books separated in terms of novels, uh, short stories, um, comedy. Um, there's books on poetry. There's books regarding um, theater or plays, nature-related plays. For the uh, journal articles, I've got them set up into three basic areas, psychology and sociology, uh, law and public policy, and art history and religion. Uh, 
mostly fairly artificial you know, categories, but most of the best stuff is in psychology and sociology. Those, particularly in the 60s, 70s, 80s, a lot of good stuff has been written. And recently, uh, there's been a bit of an upsurge in critical theory and social um, social nudity. A lot of public policy has got some interesting um, discussions from lawyers, uh, from pro-nude beach people, anti-nude beach people. And then the articles on history, uh, art, and religion, where there's just tons and tons of those. There's been nudity in art, nudity in religion, nudity in history. I, I've had to kind of put, put an artificial limit as to just what to talk about or what to list. Uh, these aren't really books about nudity per se. And there's a lot of books about nudity in the bath or nudity in erotica or nudity in sex work. Uh, I'm really not dealing with that stuff. What I'm dealing with are books or magazines that make some kind of pointed reference or some kind of pointed discussion on non-sexualized social nudity. Um, oftentimes that's nudism or naturism. Sometimes it could be streaking uh, where nudity is being used in this political protest. Um, but, boy, the, the list would just go on to infinity if you included everything about nudity itself. <clears throat> now, do you, think you have, do you think you have it all? Uh, I keep up with it. About every single week I find a new academic article. I do searches. Since I have access to some good university online uh, search engines, I, I do a pretty regular search for new articles on, on nudism or naturism. Sometimes things squeak by. The, uh, the, the title doesn't talk about nudism and the abstract doesn't talk about nudism and what I need to do is find another article it refers to that article I search it out I find it read it see if it actually is doing something uh, sometimes that is pretty oblique um, indecent exposure for instance that may be what the article's about and a search for nudism or naturism may not hit on that but in the context of writing about indecent exposure the person ends up talking about nudism for a while well that turns out to be a good article that may be harder to find um, all I can say is I, I do spend a fair amount of time looking for new stuff. Uh, people send me, and people are now sending me uh, tips if they run across something. More often than not, I found it, but I still appreciate getting the tips anyway. Um, the, the books are a slightly larger problem. Um, problem in the sense that uh, we are now in a digital age. When this got started, I was really looking for in-print material. And when this um, bibliography got published here at the Nature Society website, uh, digital printing for um, self-published books really was just getting started. So there's a couple self-published books in there. But it seems like the day after this got published, that very well, certainly within that year, there's like dozens of novels being produced, um, self-published, oftentimes online, and I'm not sure what to do with them all. Some of them are just absolutely horrible. The quality has never been an issue for um, for this list, because if somebody's wanting to find out what people think about nudism, they may actually get some insights by reading a really bad book that's pro-nudity or anti-nudity. So it's not been the quality I've been looking for, but there is a flood, if you will, of self-published online um, books, if you will, and they haven't been added yet, and that's, I'm not quite sure what to do with it. It just you can just be inundated with people. Some people are writing a novel every single day about nudist beaches, and I'm not quite sure what to do with that. So at this point, what we're looking for is um, I'm, I'm primarily working with books or juried academic articles where somebody took the time to read it, do some editing, and say, I'm willing to put up a little bit of money to see this thing get into publication. So it's a bit of a team effort. And it doesn't make it a better piece of material in terms of reading quality. Uh, but that's what this is doing right now. Uh, there may come a time when we need to start adding every single online uh, self-published um, blog. But after, 
it'll end up being Google for that point. <laughs> well, and you know, a, a, a search engine that. Uh, but then you'd, you'd have to have descriptions almost of every book as well, not just uh, titles. Well, descriptions would certainly help people. Right now, there are just so many here that are listed. That are, and I've read virtually everything here. If it's a journal article, I read it. If it's a book, I have most of them. I've read it. There's a couple books in here I know exist because I've seen them, so I put them in. There's some books that I believe exist, but I've never seen them, and a couple are floating around, and I think they're actually myths. I don't think anybody's actually seen some of these things, uh, so I haven't added them. Um, some of these are just incredibly rare. Some of these were like self-published, you know, like 50 copies back in the 1930s, and God knows how much they would cost if they went online right now. Um, if I know it's there, if I've read it, if I've seen a Xerox copy, I have a copy myself. It, it's on. It's in the list, so people can try to look for it. Um, so the stuff I have is, is is actually out there. But there is, as I said, there's a whole bunch of things being produced now. It's just it's just wild. And some of it may be good. This may be a good thing that we're going to have people writing every single day a brand new novel. If they write 365 novels a year, one of them might be you know the great newest novel. So does that does the bibliography include anything but print, like videos and? No, no. Um, that's a whole other project. I was working with somebody else to try to do a video project because I wrote a book on a history of nudist film you know, a few years back. And uh, yeah, that, I think, can be important, too. Um, it just isn't something I had time to do in addition to this and the other projects I had. And the other fellow just kind of backed out and decided it was too much effort himself. That is a huge project also because there are so many nudist films that just don't exist anymore. They were started off celluloid, they disappeared, and a lot of these exploitation films had very few copies made, and they just aren't any around. So we know they did exist, but no one's seen them, or no one's seen them in the last 20, 30, 40 years anyway. So that's just a whole other project. So this here, at this point, is just going to be uh, material in print. Um, there's other things that Nature Society would like to do to help researchers, and I'm hoping uh, the office staff will find the time to, to do that. But at this point, um, and I hope the bibliographies have helped. I am hearing from some students who discover the thing and go, wow, this is the biggest list of things. They can now go to their university, find what they can find. Most of the academic journal articles, of course, any college student can't find through resources like JSTOR or EBSCOhost. Or, uh, there's a, a host of um, academic online journal um, finders, if you will. Uh, if nothing else, they can go to the university library and find hard copies of most of these articles. The books are going to be tougher to find. We offer uh, uh, about three different choices for online used book companies, but in the last five years or so, I find it's really, really tough to find the rare, nudist books. Uh, they tend to garner a pretty good fee for uh, book companies. I've had booksellers tell me they will buy anything I can sell them because they can sell it in seconds. There's a lot of collectors out there. I got into the uh, the hobby right at the tail end, so I was able to pick up most of the things I wanted at still a fairly reasonable price. But other than maybe a half dozen classics from the 30s, a lot of this stuff's pretty darn hard to find now. But at least people have the titles, so that may be of some help to them if, if they have a way of finding the things. They're able to see what uh, what people thought about nudism, particularly in, in decades past. Uh, some people were for it, some people were against it, some people made jokes about it, uh, some people wanted to write stories about it. <clears throat> um, it's a it's a fairly interesting slice of uh, of the 1930s in particular, in the 1960s and 70s, in, a, in different kinds of ways. And uh, now you know, it, it's changed. The interest in nudism has changed over the decades. 
So you said that the inclusion of, a, of an item into the bibliography is not necessarily mean that it's well written or anything like that. Oh, but, no, there's some absolute garbage in there. There's some <laughs> stuff for, you know, from decades past that's just pure propaganda. But that might be of value to a researcher who wants to see how an adherent propagandizes his or her um, you know, the nudism, in this case. So if, if it's in print and it's about nudism or naturism, uh, I try to include it in here and in the books. For the, for the, the journal articles, I'm limiting that almost, prime, almost completely to juried, peer-reviewed uh, academic journals. Now, some of them, a few of them now are found online because there are some really good academic journals that are online. Um, but most of these can be found in print in some sociology or philosophy or history journal. And it should be able to be found in any good university. Uh, I'm not including things like you know, editorial pieces from Time or Newsweek or newspaper articles. And that's fascinating, too. But those kinds of things are easily found by any college student. They just go to their, go to their school library and go to whatever um, online search engine the library has access to, type in nudism, and they'll find every um, newspaper article about nudism the New York Times printed from the 1930s on. That stuff's easy to do. So I really didn't need to repeat that. What seems to be hard is to come up with a comprehensive list of books for and against nudism. And the most fascinating ones are the ones against nudism. They're in the minority, um, but they do have some books written, particularly in the 30s, where people just were terrified of what nudism was going to do. I think they're hilarious. The arguments, I think, are usually just horrible. But it's interesting to contrast the arguments for and against nudism in the 30s, say, with arguments for and against right now. Uh, so a researcher now has access to at least the titles, and then it's up to them to be able to find the book itself. Now, what's it, uh, the the actual the Nature Society's Nude and Natural magazine is not part of this bibliography, right? No, because uh, it's not a an academic journal. So none of the uh, Nature Society articles are on this particular list. This would be more of a popular magazine. This is another project that the Nature Society does hope to engage in. Um, I'm ready to help them with this. What we would like to do is take the more, uh, maybe, I don't know how to put this, maybe academically reputable articles found in Penn Magazine. And there are some where people actually try to do some research and write uh, informatively about naturism. It's history of naturism, the philosophy of naturism, how it relates to art, religion, whatever. And there's been some good articles in N Magazine. I would like to see N Magazine have a, a separate um, uh, page associated with its research page uh, where it simply allows people direct access to at least the print versions of those articles. Because a lot of people hear about a certain article in N Magazine, but they just don't know how to get it. I mean, naturists do, but you know, researchers across the country don't know what to do. They can maybe go to the TNS website and they find they've got to buy a magazine, and it just, it just doesn't happen. So I would think there is a, you know, a good number of solid articles TNS has published over the decades. It would be wonderful if they could provide uh, versions online for people to access for free. It's not just uh, making the articles available online. Whether that should how it shouldn't happen is something. There's a bit of a commercial debate to be had there. But um, I actually have a complete set of New and Natural from the beginning, and uh, there's some great articles. They may not all be scholarly, but some I have great thinking anyway. Um, which uh, you know within the movement, the problem is how do people find them? And I find a lack of an index uh, of all these articles, an electronic index. There was an electronic index available to everybody that kind of petered out, oh God, about 10 years ago. I still have an old copy of it. So if I want to find something on a particular beach or a particular person 
you know, if I know the articles in an old issue, I I can get that, and it's it's almost useful. It's it's not it's pretty pretty clunky little index. I actually set up about five years after that. I set up with a card index. I went through every single issue and came up with a complete index of names, sites, it was all kinds, exactly what you want, and sent it off a big box of these index cards <laughs> into the office, and it just somehow never took place. I think probably the person who was supposed to type it up looked at it, had a heart attack or quit or something, and didn't want to key the stuff in. But I agree, an index would be incredibly valuable. I don't quite know how to make it happen. Um, I'm a, a consulting editor, but I, I'm really not part of the office staff. That would be something that somebody would just need to um, to key in. It's just a gigantic uh, effort. I suspect it would be easier now to do it because I could just simply do it at home and type them type a gigantic word document as an as an index, and you could do a, a word search in this giant document, and that would do the job. But that would be again a huge, huge effort. Um, maybe someday I would want to do that again. Somebody else could do it easily. All they have to do is understand what an index is and have access to the magazines. But I suspect it would take you a couple months to read through them and to actually type in, type out an index. And then the office would need, or somebody would need to update it on a regular basis, which shouldn't be that tough. So I agree it would be a fabulous thing for end readers. Yes, yes. Well, and researchers, I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah, and again, a lot of the research that's being done, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, academics, you know, scholars doing research, and most of the stuff, again, is coming out of Europe. But these people uh, are reading Nature's magazines to get some insights. And, uh, a lot of times they're reading the magazines pertaining to the country they're working with, whether it's England or Denmark or, or whatever, Germany. Uh, but they're going to uh, Nature's libraries in Europe, and there's a couple good ones, and hanging out there for a week, reading old magazines, probably reading a dozen magazines, getting some good insights, and drawing some interesting conclusions. So researchers do know there's nature's literature out there, actual nudist magazines. Uh, it just, it's just it's hard for them to get at it. The Nature Society has its own good library, but it's private. I mean, you just can't walk into their office and say, I want to use their library. The American... Um, and American Nudist Research Library in Kissimmee, Florida, is also really good. And that is a little more accessible to the public. Um, but it's, it's just awkward to go to a nudist camp, sit in a nudist library, and you know, a lot of the magazines have pages ripped out. And it's just a, it's, it's awkward. And it's not like going to any university and finding roughly the same set of journals. So if anybody doing research on nudism who wants to actually take a look at nudist magazine articles of the past it has a tougher job for them than, than a lot of other people would. Certainly, it's doable, but it's 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 tough. So, getting back to the uh, the bibliography that you've created, um, what for somebody who's listening who is, wants to learn, you know, more maybe about the philosophy of naturism, the history of naturism, that kind of thing, are there a few highlights that you uh, would recommend? Well, I do have a like a nonfiction top ten, and this is just my choice of what I if I had to have only ten books to work from. Uh, to get a sense of the origins of organized nudism, particularly in North America, because this, this is pertaining to North America and England, perhaps, more than anything else. Yeah, I would go to the, you know, I call it nonfiction, TNS Top Ten from Early Nudism. Uh, these are all books that anybody who studied nudism at all would agree should be on this list. I mean, these are books that are fairly easy to find. Most of them are fairly easy to find. Um, and they give a good sense of what was going on in the 30s from a nudist perspective. Um, there's some books that are more pertinent to you know more modern times, 
contemporary times, and I have a list of 20 that I think are pretty good for that. Some of these are darn hard to find, but some of them are pretty easy to find also. They were from like the you know, 50s through today. Not much was going on in the 40s because of World War II. Um, so I, I offer a list of what I think are the best books for early nudism history and the best books for, you know, say, the last 30, 40 years. Uh, the, the articles, the journal articles about nudism, not so much. They're usually not written by nudists. Um, they're usually written by people who are finding some interest in social nudism, one angle or another. Sometimes they get it pretty right. Sometimes you just think, my God, these people really just ought to take their clothes off and see what nudism's like before they start writing about it. But taken as a whole, and get a, I would say academia's done a fairly good job of talking about uh, social nudity, some, some better than others. So if somebody wants to uh, go through this bibliography, I'll put a link on the show notes, but can you tell them where they, where they can find it? Sure, they can go to naturesociety.com and then go to resources, and they'll find, uh, at resources, they'll find a number of things. Um, the bibliography, the TNS bibliography has all the lists of the best books, and then the big long list of fiction, big long list of nonfiction, and then a, a series of academic journal articles at this point. One of the places that you can see a lot of these articles, newspaper magazines, uh, our journals, videos, etc., is in the American Nudist Research Library. Um, it is in Florida. Uh, it's at Cypress Cove. And uh, whenever I go to Cypress Cove, you've heard before in past show, that's one of my favorite places to go. Um, I always make sure to stop in and spend a little time reading and looking at... Uh, books and, and magazines that are in the collection of the American Nudist Research Library. It's quite comprehensive. And when I was there a few years ago, I had a chance to sit down uh, during a board meeting with the president of the American Nudist Research Library, and he told me a little bit more about what they do and what their purpose is. Hi, my name is Edward Waller. I'm president of the American Nudist Research Library. And so what is the American Nudist Research Library? Well, as the name implies, uh, it's uh, dedicated to uh, preserving uh, and, and hopefully uh, enlarging uh, the, the history of uh, nudism. Uh, we keep track of any reading material uh, or video material that has to do uh, with either the history of nudism or uh, its current practice. Uh, you know, what draws people to it? Uh, what is you know where is it going? Um, you know, uh, uh, problems that we've had in, in the history, you know, legal problems, the struggles over the years, uh, anything, any, anything that uh, would be connected with it. So I, I see a lot of books around here. How big is the collection? I don't think we've actually counted. Um, ironically enough, uh, but yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, the, the number of book books now is actually smaller than, uh, much more than the number of, of magazines, I think. We, uh, nudism, you know, for a number of years, for decades, actually, you could count the number of ma nudist magazines uh, maybe in the 40s or 50s on one hand. Then in the night after the uh, 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 court decision... American ones. Yes, that's true. I'm sorry, American ones. That is true. Um, and then after the... Uh, Supreme Court in the late 1950s uh, said that nudist magazines were not obscene, that they could be sent through the mails and, and get the uh, 
a regular magazine rate uh, from the post office, uh, they kind of exploded. And there was you know, literally dozens and dozens of titles uh, through the 60s and in, in the 1970s. And we tried to, we have a lot of them. Um, but You also have uh, quite a collection of archives and clubs? Yes, uh, we. Uh, so many of them have been our, our articles taken from uh, nudist magazines. Uh, we also, though, uh, keep track of newsletters that clubs uh, send us. Um, in uh, we we have some things that maybe uh, sheets le- letting people know there was a potluck dinner going to be on a certain day, and then uh, uh, you know swim parties that kind of stuff. And then there's uh, some some club newsletters that are quite extensive. Actually, uh, keep track of. Uh, uh, events um, going on year-round. Um, trying to think of what else. Oh, yeah. So it's probably fair to say that there are millions of pages of content here. Millions, maybe. Certainly hundreds of thousands. Okay. Well, you've already scanned 100,000, you were saying earlier, right? True. Um, so. but, that, but that now that is including club newsletters. But, you know, nowadays with the... Uh, um, the internet and uh, email, a lot of uh, clubs prefer to just send out email news to their members. Can I give you a reminder? Go. You've got about 5,000 magazines. 5,000 magazines. 500 books. Okay, but that's 5,000 issues. Of Separate issues. Right, right. Not okay, titles. not titles. Right. But about titles, I think it's more like less than 100. Oh, no, it's more than that. No? Because we have all those single issues right. that we still haven't. How, how did the library get started? How long has it been around? It was formed in 1979. Um, Schuster. Yeah, uh, Reed Schuster, who was a, a longtime uh, nudist, uh, got it together. Um, a lot of the, 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 actually, the core of the library was uh, donated by a man named Don Johnson. Um, I'm sorry, Helen, Don Johnson? It's John, John Ball. John Ball. John but wasn't it? But Donald Johnson and John Ball were one of the same. He's yes. The author of The Heat of the Night. In the heat right. Of the night. But John Ball was his writing name, name, pen name, and Don Johnson was his real name, and he donated uh, his own personal collection, which is, uh, most of which is there in the archives. Not to be confused with the Miami Vice guy. Right. Yeah, the <laughs> Schuster, remember Miami Vice? Well, the I Schuster goes, sent 70 boxes mm-hmm. of their own, their own library here to start. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, uh, they had a room in the, uh, where the office is now. And, and the library grew they, to where we had they built ran this. Ran out of space pretty quick. Right. And so half, yeah, half. Built of this, this building, but only it was about half the size it is now. And then uh, when was it doubled? About 1990. About ten years ago. Oh, that, that long recent. Yeah. Okay, no, it was in the 90s. Um, and expanded, and <laughs> now we're running out of space again. Well, that's all once again for this episode of the Naturist Living Show. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Stéphane Deschain, and I've been your host for this podcast, and I'm also the owner of Baroque's Family Naturist Park. And you can find, as usual, the links to all the items that I talked about in the show in the show notes on our website, which is located at naturistliving.baroaks.ca. Don't forget to uh, go and check in and rate and review and promote the show in Bear Oaks uh, on iTunes, Facebook, TripAdvisor, Yelp, whatever you happen to use. 
And also send me comments because I love to get ideas and suggestions and comments about the show. I always appreciate getting them. The show's email address is naturistliving at bearoaks.ca. That's B-A-R-E, of course. B-A-R-E, bearoaks.ca. And that's .ca because we are in Canada. Join us again in about a month for the next episode of The Naturist Living Show. This episode of The Naturist Living Show was brought to you by Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park. Traditional naturist values in a modern setting. Traditional values means that naturism is more than just taking your clothes off. It is a life philosophy with physical, psychological, environmental, social and moral benefits. Bear Oaks Family Naturist Park strives to promote those naturist values in a modern setting that provides the amenities and services that our members and visitors expect. Free your body, free your mind. Learn more at www.bearoaks.ca.